0: as well as writers throughout Appalachia and beyond. And now, here is your host, Eric Hughes. Thank you, Gertrude and Ola, listeners. Welcome to Episode 70 of the West Virginia Writers Podcast. I am your host, Eric Fritzhughes. Well, today's podcast marks not only the final podcast of 2014, it also falls in proximity to the opening date of our annual writing contests. As in accordance with tradition, we like to use this contest proximate episode to interview the coordinator of our organization's annual writing contests to get the skinny on the changes in new categories being offered in 2015. Before we begin the interview however, I would highly suggest that you go and print out a copy of the contest entry forms for both the Adult Writing Contest and New Mountain Voices Student Writing Contest, all of which can be found at the contest website wvwriters.org/contest.html. You can also find them at our podcast page, podcast.wvwriters.org. You might need these in order to refer to the rules and regulations that are mentioned during today's podcast. Our contest coordinator this year is a returning guest to the podcast, mostly because he's served as the contest coordinator for the past two years. He's a former secretary and also former president of West Virginia Writers Incorporated. And if you've been to our summer conferences, you've probably seen him during Friday night entertainment or as part of the awards banquet ceremony. In addition to being a writer and a playwright, he's often seen as an actor with the Greenbrier Valley Theater in Lewisburg, West Virginia, and will be seen as an actor and a director for the New Voices Festival of Plays February 5th, 6th, and 7th. Now, for the past few years, we've spoken to our contest coordinators via telephone. However, due to the poor sound quality that often causes, we've been lucky enough this year to have this gentleman in for an official one-on-one sit-down interview here in the Mr. Herman Studios. So I'm going to scooch over here to the other side of the table and seated across from me, please welcome Mr. Eric Fritchus. Eric, welcome to the podcast. Oh, so pleased to be here. I've always wanted to see the Mr. Herman Studios in person. They're really quite lovely. Oh, thanks. I've worked hard on it. This is an honest-to-God recording studio, as you can well see. Yeah, uh uh-huh. No way is this just the closet of your office with some carpet affixed to the walls with a staple gun. Eric, perish the thought. I would never dream of being so half-assed. Now, before we get to the descriptions of the contest categories for 2015, let's talk a little bit about the contest in some general terms. Sure thing, Eric. The contest began back in 1982, so that makes the 2015 contest the 33rd such contest in the organization's history. Our contest accepts original, previously unpublished entries in a variety of contest categories and themes. The number of categories and the amount given for prizes has changed over the years, but at this time we're awarding $5,850 total in cash prizes for the 13 categories of the adult contest. First place wins $250, second place $125, and third place $75 in each of those 13 categories. Now for the New Mountain Voices contest, we have $575 spread across three different age groups. The age groups there are grades 1 through 5, 6 through 8, and 9 through 12. And each of those age groups gets a first, second, and third place prize, with first being $100, second 50, and third place $25. What are the categories for a 2015, Eric? Well, as we mentioned, there are 13 categories. Let's talk about the first few that carry over from year to year. So we have short story, which is a traditional category for us. You can submit short fiction of up to 5,000 words. We have short poetry, which is poetry 20 lines or shorter in length in any form. We have long poetry, poetry that is, of course, 21 lines up to 4 pages in length in any form and nonfiction, which can be articles, essays, memoir, or creative nonfiction, up to 5,000 words. We also have a handful of topic categories where we assign a theme that writers are to write to, and the one that carries over from year to year is Appalachian writing. In this, you can submit up to 5,000 words, and it can be fiction or nonfiction, prose or poetry. The description of Appalachian writing is kind of left vague because it can cover quite a range of writing, but ideally the story, essay, or poem submitted will make some sort of comment on Appalachia and or the lives of the people who reside there. So there's an awful lot of room to move within those guidelines. It can be as simple as telling a good story that happens to be set in West Virginia or starting out with the intention of illuminating specific aspects of Appalachian culture through this work. You also don't have to be a native Appalachian to consider entering. In fact, I've won in the category twice in the past, and I'm from Mississippi. Mississippi, huh? Boy, you moved out of one stereotype frying pan into a stereotype fire. You, sir, can shut it. Next up, we have book-length prose. This can be fiction, nonfiction, or young adult. Writers may submit up to 7,500 words and must be able to also submit a one-page synopsis of the entire story or work. Now, because the number of words that can be submitted for this category is greater, there is a slightly higher entry fee of $12 instead of the usual $10 entry fee. And the last of our regular categories is children's books. These can be picture books, first reader books, middle grade books, and you can submit three chapters or up to 5,000 words. Now, if it's a picture book, you can include artwork. This hasn't always been the case with this contest, but we've decided in the past few years that it is all right. So you can submit artwork, but do know that if you submit artwork, that artwork will be judged on its quality, as well as the quality of the writing of the piece itself. So writers should make sure they send appropriate artwork, preferably artwork that is professional in nature. And, Eric, as always, they should only send copies of the artwork and not the original art itself. Right you are, sir. Now, there are a couple of more categories that do get held over from year to year, and two of them are designed to help out new writers, or at least not as well-seasoned writers. Let me back up, because some of the categories that we have in the contest will have seasoned writers competing in them. We basically offer two categories called the emerging writers categories for writers who are not as well seasoned, let's say. So people entering into the emerging writers poetry or emerging writers prose categories cannot previously have won a cash prize in our contest and cannot have been published in a publication with circulation greater than 5,000 copies. And I should note that the Emerging Writers Poetry category is dedicated in honor of F. Ethan Fisher, who is one of our former board members and a beloved poet from the Martinsburg area, and he passed away two years back. So Emerging Writers Poetry, you can submit any poetry form up to four pages in length. In Emerging Writers Prose, you can specify either fiction or nonfiction and send up to 5,000 words. So what are some of the other contest categories that are new this year? Well, we have one that's not necessarily new, but we didn't have it last year. It's the Joe McCabe Memorial Script category, and this is one that rotates between screenplays and stage plays every other year. So this is the year for screenplays. Writers are invited to submit original screenplays for either feature-length films or short films in a standard screenplay format. The screenplays themselves can be for stories of any length, but if the script itself is over 30 pages in actual length, we then ask the screenwriter to submit only that 30-page sample with a one-page synopsis of the entire story. Why do we have a 30-page sample limit on that? Well, Eric, basically it's down to a desire not to abuse our judges. With the exception of book-length prose, most of the categories of the contest have a 5,000-word limit. We used to allow people to submit screenplays of any length, but technically someone could turn in something akin to the three-part Hobbit saga, which would mean hundreds of pages that our judge would have to read. Granted, that's not exactly likely, but if they even turned in an hour-and-a-half-long script, that's going to be 90 pages right there that a judge would have to read, whereas a standard 5,000-word contest entry would be no more than 20 pages so it's not exactly fair that the judge would have to read five times as much material in order to render judgment. The 30-page sample limit allows a judge to see exactly what sort of scripting skills the writer possesses from that sample, and also to judge the entire story via the included one-page synopsis. I see. Now, as usual, we have two other topic categories. One that might take some explanation is the topic category of survival this can be fiction or non-fiction or even poetry, as long as it's on the topic of survival. So, what does that mean exactly, survival? Well, that, Eric, is the question of the hour. We've already had writers asking us what exactly we mean by survival. When the board of directors originally thought of the survival category, we were initially thinking more in terms of survival as in man versus nature, survival in the wild, or maybe surviving a disaster. Real kind of Jack London, Liam Neeson kind of stories. However, it doesn't need to be limited to those kind of stories. Survival could just as easily apply to the story of someone surviving something as huge as cancer or as small as merely surviving a test in college. We didn't want to place limitations on it, so we just leave it up to the writer's interpretation. Well, it sounds like it has about as much room for interpretation as Appalachian writing. Even more, probably. So what's the final topic category? Genre fantasy. We haven't had this one for several years. This will be prose fiction stories that are either set in a fantasy-style world or that have fantasy elements as part of the story. So what exactly does fantasy cover? Well, think about the aforementioned Lord of the Rings trilogy, which was set in a historical fantasy realm with magic and orcs and goblins and elves and such. However, genre fantasy is also open to modern fantasy, with such things like the Harry Potter series or or maybe the Harry Dresden series by Jim Butcher. But the elements do have to be fantasy-based and not simply science fiction. Now, technically, you could mix science fiction with fantasy, especially if you wanted to write futuristic fantasy, but the magic and fantastical elements must be present in addition to any science fiction ones. Moving on to the final category of the contest, we have the Pearl S. Buck Writing for Social Change Award. Now, this is one that's in its fourth year, and it's a collaboration with the Pearl S. Buck Birthplace Foundation based in Hillsboro. That foundation preserves the birthplace home of author Pearl S. Buck and interprets her life from its humble origins in the Appalachian town of Hillsborough to her rise to international recognition as a Nobel Prize-winning author. Pearl S. Buck was known for her writing that was designed with the hope of bringing social change by exposing people to places and concepts they might otherwise never have heard of, such as her extensive writing about her time in China and her novel Set There. So this category is open to writers trying to bring about social change of their own using their work. They can submit nonfiction or poetry up to 5,000 words on a topic related to social change. So what is the fee structure for the adult contest, Eric? It's the same as it has been for the past few years, $10 per entry, except for book-length prose, which is $12. And how long will contest entries be accepted? Glad you asked that. The contest accepts entries from January 2nd, 2015 through March the 15th. Then from March 16th through March 31st, we will continue to take late entries, but with the added late fee of $2 per manuscript. So if you're submitting more than one manuscript, which happens quite a bit in this contest, those late fees tend to add up pretty quick and could get kind of costly. So we do encourage folks to submit before March 15th. Now, Eric, I understand that there have been some changes to the contest entry form itself this year, right? Indeed, Eric. Since I've been the contest coordinator for the past couple of years, I've been able to see some patterns in the submissions to the contest, some of which are not always positive. Each year that you've interviewed me, and in fact the interviews you've done with previous contest coordinators, we've all talked about some of the common pitfalls that prevent submissions from meeting eligibility, which is a frequent problem. Sometimes it's because the word count gets left off of the title page when it's required to be there, or maybe the contest category gets left off and it's not as obvious from the contest entry form what piece submitted goes in what category. Sometimes it's simply that the writer forgot to take their name off of the story before submitting it. In each of these cases where a submission might not be eligible as submitted, I contact the writer and work with them to get the things fixed or resubmitted. Or, in the case of names being left on manuscripts, I just wipe those out with some correction tape and recopy that page, so I don't even need to contact the writer at all. I basically just want everyone who enters to know that I've got their back, and I'm not going to reject something just because there's a minor error that can be fixed. In fact, we only had one entry rejected last year, and there were some pretty big extenuating circumstances in that case, and I both returned that manuscript to the writer and refunded their entry fee. But all of this repair work takes time, and sometimes it may only take a couple of extra minutes, and other times it requires a lot more time. All those extra minutes start adding up on top of the time it takes to process the hundreds of contest entries that we get each year, so you can see why my beard is now so gray. Oh, but it is well-groomed, I should say. Oh, thank you, Eric. Yours too. The thing is, though, if writers submitting to our contest will just take the time to read the requirements and the contest guidelines, they'll see that we've pretty much spelled out exactly how to do everything, and that will save me and them the extra time needed to fix errors that they will make because they didn't read them. Since it seemed to be happening so frequently last year, I had to examine what causes there might be for this. So I and the West Virginia Writers Board of Directors determined that people might be able to read the contest guidelines better if they were printed in a legible typeface to begin with. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know, I know. It's been a common complaint. The contest has so many rules and guidelines that fitting them all on one side of a piece of paper along with the entry form and the contest categories themselves, that's rendered much of them microscopic or at least difficult to see in eight-point type. So this year we've taken a page from the New Mountain Voices contest form, which has always been double-sided. So we now have the adult entry form with the contest category descriptions on one side of the form and the rules and regulations on the other. Giving you room to increase the font size I take. Exactly. But just to run through the requirements officially, here's what they are. People can follow along at home on their own forms eligibility the contest is open to west virginia residents and current members of west virginia writers incorporated and that includes members who don't live in west virginia entries must be original work of the entrant and must comply with category descriptions limitations and procedures adaptation of the work of another writer is not eligible works that have won a cash prize in any past west virginia writers competition are not eligible Published works or those accepted for publication prior to January 1, 2015, are also not eligible. A work will be considered published if it has been printed in a publication with a distribution of 1,000 copies or more, or if it has been published on a web page that has received or could receive 1,000 or more viewers annually, or if it has been independently published via a print on demand or ebook service. Now Eric explained this rule because it's one that was only instituted last year and we might need to cover that a little more in depth. Correct Eric. Let me just say our board has great respect for self-published works and ebooks. However, they are not eligible for our contest simply due to the fact that we don't allow any previously published works to be submitted. Self-published is still published and ebook publication is also still a publication. Now, people could say, yeah, but my ebook or self published novel hasn't sold a thousand copies, so it should still be eligible. Well, the trouble is, we at West Virginia Writers have no way of verifying any of that. Your book might have only sold 900 copies, or it might have sold nine. We just don't have the ability to tell. But if it's available for sale on Amazon or Kindle, then it has the potential to have sold over a thousand, or have more than that number of people view it internationally. So we have to disallow any form of publication. And the caveat to that, Eric, is that according to the rules, if less than 25% of an entry has been published, it will be considered unpublished. How does that work? Well, Eric, that's actually going to be a rare occurrence. That sort of rule would kick in probably only if someone wrote like a news article that they later expanded into a book or maybe a short story that was expanded into a novel. There is one final eligibility requirement, too, that there is no eligibility age limit. This means that even a 5th grader could enter something in this adult contest if they so choose. Now, a 5th grader entering the contest would be competing with adult writers for the most part, so they would have that going against them. But we actually had an 8th grade writer last year named Anastasia Knudsen, and she won 2nd place in the book-length prose slash young adult category. So it does happen. It all just depends on the quality of the work. All Eric, let's switch our focus to the New Mountain Voices Student Contest. What is the New Mountain Voices Student Contest? Well, Eric, as you know, this is our annual writing contest for students in grades 1 through 12. It differs from the adult writing contest in several ways. For one thing, it's free to enter. For another, the contest is structured a little bit differently Instead of choosing from a list of contest categories, like prose, poetry, screenplays, etc., students can choose from a list of six topics and write either on one of those topics or they can make up one of their own. They can write poetry or regular prose, in essay form or story form, fiction or nonfiction. So what are those six topics? Topic number one is my first day at ninja school. Seems a pretty wide range of things that could be done with that. Second topic is the day I was the principal. We get to find out from the student writers how they would change the school, what improvements would be made. Topic number three is the day my blank disappeared, where they get to fill in the blank and tell that story. Topic number four was, I never thought West Virginia was a spooky place until... which gives them the chance to tell us why they think West Virginia is a little bit spooky. Topic number five is, I never believed in blank until I met one. And the final topic is, they say you can't blank, but I'm going to prove them wrong, which lets the writer tell us how they're going to prove us wrong about whatever it is that they fill in the blank with. Again, any student in any of the age groups can pick from any of those topics, or they can just make up one of their own, which is what actually often happens. I'd say probably only 20% of the entries that come in come from one of the topics we suggest. The judges we have for the New Mountain Voices contest are basically just going to judge all the entries as to which of them are the best written, regardless of whether they're one of the topics that we've provided. So who is eligible to enter the New Mountain Voices contest? Well, Eric, it's going to be any student in grades 1 through 12 who is a resident of West Virginia. Can entire classes enter? Yes. In fact, we encourage teachers to pass out entry forms to their classes, and they're welcome to collect those and send them in all at once. We often have schools that send in entries for several classes at a time. This all just saves on postage. And lastly, if people have questions about either the adult contest or the New Mountain Voices contest, where do they send those? Well, they are welcome to email me at www.contest@gmail.com, at gmail dot com. And that's going to be an easier address to spell than my own personal email address that has my unpronounceable and unspellable last name in it. Yeah, that name of yours is pretty awful. Yeah, you're one to talk there. We also ask folks to check out our Frequently Asked Questions series on our blog, because oftentimes the answers are already covered there. But if a question isn't answered there, people can feel free to send it on in. And you can find that at our contest page as well. Now, Eric, before I let you go, you spoke a little while ago of a few of the common pitfalls of the contest. Are there any others that people might need to know about? Well, Eric, there is, of course, the standard don't put your name on your entries. That was a huge problem for us two years ago, where probably 20 people managed to leave their name on their entries. But last year, it only happened twice, and one of those people who did it was in the second grade, so I kind of gave her a pass. If it happens, it's no big deal. I just white it out, recopy that page, and slap it on the front. No need for contacting the writer at all. Another issue that has come up, though, are people who try to submit more than one poem or a collection of poetry to one of our poetry categories or just to one of the categories in the contest. So, for instance, while it's perfectly acceptable to submit a poem to Appalachian writing, you're not allowed to submit a collection of poetry to Appalachian writing. We just don't have a category devoted to collections of poetry, and it wouldn't be fair to people who have paid their $10 to submit their one poem for someone to submit five. So, in those cases, I've had to contact writers before and tell them, please just choose one, and we'll take that one. Other common poetry mistakes are submitting poems to the short poetry category that have more than 21 lines when the rule says it has to be below 20 In this contest, we count actual lines on the page, not just actual sentences. These are all errors that I catch, and I always make every effort to communicate with the writers to fix those issues and get their entries resubmitted properly. But again, fixing all these errors does take a lot of time, and it's also difficult to do when writers don't supply adequate contact information, which is my next point. If you're going to submit to this contest, please submit as much of the contact information as you can that's on the form. If you have an email address, please do include it on the entry form. I'd really rather not play phone tag for two weeks in order to get something fixed. But if you do include an email address, also, please make sure that it's a valid one. I've actually received entries with email addresses written in perfectly legible print that I have tried to send an email to, and it bounced the moment I sent. That said, including a phone number should be a prerequisite altogether. Fixing errors gets even more problematic when I have to physically mail questions to a writer because they didn't include email or phone. West Virginia Writers is not an organization that ever gives your contact information away to other parties, so you're safe to provide it on the form. And speaking of contact information, had kind of a unique situation last year where a writer submitted an entry that wound up winning third place. I mailed out their prize money and their winner's certificate a couple of days after the awards banquet. However, between the time they entered in February and the time they won in June, that writer had actually moved to another state, and their certificate and check did not forward on to them there, nor did it bounce back to me. So, once we found out about the situation three months later, we had to do a bunch of research and make sure that the original prize check had not been cashed before we could reissue a new one. Everything turned out to be fine, but I would never have known about this had the writer not emailed to ask where his prize was. My advice to anyone who knows that they have a move in their future would be to always drop me a note with your new address as soon as you know what it's going to be. Bye's advice, Eric. Now, will winners be notified in advance of the awards banquet so they'll know whether or not to come? Well, no and yes. New Mountain Voices student contest winners are indeed notified in advance in case they'd like to come and be acknowledged at the banquet. But the first chance for adult winners to learn of their win is going to be at the awards banquet itself. Now, possibly touchy subject, can writers contact the judges in any way? No, Eric, they may absolutely not. Contacting a judge regarding a contest entry or for any other reason is one of the few things that will immediately disqualify a writer. We had a case two years ago where a writer contacted me about a screenplay she was hoping to submit and then casually mentioned that she had already contacted the judge for the screenplay category to see if they could recommend an agent to represent this writer should the script happen to win. I then had to inform this writer over the phone that the script was now disqualified. I only bring this up because screenplay is once again one of our contest categories this year. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today and taking time out of your busy schedule to come all the way into the studio. My pleasure, Eric. Thanks for having me. It was a nice walk up here from the sofa. Eric Fritzius can be found online at mrherman.com. He'll be appearing in the short play Black Friday and directing the short play Property Rights as part of the New Voices Play Festival, February 5th, 6th, and 7th at the Greenbrier Valley Theater in Lewisburg, West Virginia. You can find entry forms for the contest as well as the frequently asked questions list at wvwriters.org/contest.html. While West Virginia Writers distributes contest entry forms throughout the state via our newsletter, you could help us out quite a bit by printing a few off yourself and leaving them in conspicuous places around the town in which you live. Libraries are often good places to leave a stack, as are bookstores and coffee shops. Even better would be area schools, particularly if you are a teacher with students. Each year we send forms out to every school in the state, but we often receive reports from teachers that say they never saw them. So if you are a teacher or no one, please share the New Mountain Voices student contest form with them and be sure to point out that it is free to enter. Well, we are by no means done with contest-related podcasts for this season. In fact, we have four more of them coming up between now and the end of the contest acceptance period. I made several recorded live readings of some of our contest winners from 2014 as they read their pieces that they won for at the Greenbrier Valley Theater's Literary Tea Series back in September and October. So we'll be bringing you those here in the coming weeks. Our opening voiceover was provided by Marcus Vowell. Our show's theme music is used with permission by its composer Pops Walker, whose albums can be found on cdbaby.com. This podcast is a production of Mr. Herman's Production Company Limited and was recorded at the Mr. Herman Studios atop a hill in Greenbrier County.